What's up, everybody? And welcome in to another edition of The Sit Down. As always, if you enjoyed this video, please do me a favor and hit the like button and let me know what you think of today's discussion in the comment section below. If you're new around here, you just haven't done it yet, or you're living on a rocket seat in this video for the first time, I don't know what you're waiting for. Hit that subscribe button below now so you never miss another sit-down video. If you're catching this video through audio on iTunes, Google Pods, or Spotify, welcome in. Hope you enjoyed the show. Make sure you leave us a detailed review and a deserved rating before you head out today. What's up, ladies and gentlemen? We are back with another episode, and I am your host, Jeff Nadeau. And we are back here with episode 113. And right off the top, I want to let everybody know, early this week, probably as of today or tomorrow, every episode should be back. We went over and dealt with some problems getting some of the old episodes uploaded. I know I've gotten some questions about that on the audio side. So everything should be back to normal uh, within the next couple of days. It does take take some time. And, you know, we don't have 10 or 20 people working for me. So take some time to get those back up, but they should be back pretty quick. We got a big episode planned for you today, and I've been looking forward to doing this one. And I thought it was a great week to do it because there's some pretty synonymous dates in this show that culminate with the dates this week. Today, we're going to talk about one of the more interesting people in the mob content world right now. We're going to get into Mikey Scar's D. Leonardo. We're going to take an unfettered look at his life, which really is quite fascinating. Mikey Scar's life and his lineage go back hundreds of years in the mafia, dating back into Sicily. We're going to talk about his relationship with the Gotti family, most notably John Jr., his rise to become a capo regime in the Gambino crime family, and his eventual defection. Why did it happen? Why did the Gambino crime family shelve Mikey Scars? We're going to get into all that and more. I hope you enjoyed the episode. Before we get into the episode, though, I do want to tell you all quickly about my bookie. Now, here on the sit-down, whether it's audio or video, we like to prop up companies we enjoy working with. And I have worked with my bookie in the past. I enjoy my bookie. I use it. It is a casino and sportsbook app that I'd highly recommend. And I urge you to go check it out. I mean, look, we've all been there, right? Maybe you decide you're going to go to a casino. You want to take your wife, play some games, and something falls through. And you just get that hanker and you want to play some roulette or blackjack. Well, my bookie's got you covered. Uh, you can dive into truly realistic casino experiences featuring the latest in slots, progressive jackpots, and even live dealer action. So it's going to look like you're sitting right at the casino, all from the comfort of your own home. You can even take advantage of weekly blackjack tournaments as well as a brand new collection of high-end games for real cash rewards. Now, the Buy Bookie Casino provides a real Las Vegas experience when the action's in your hands. And the best part is you don't have to wear pants. Now, look, I've said before, sometimes I do this show with no pants on because I can do that. You can also play my bookie with no pants on and be like me. And who wouldn't want to be like me? It's time that you get a real casino experience now. And just because you listen to the sit down, you view the sit down on a weekly basis, I'm going to give you a very generous promo code. Now, on the bottom of the screen, I'm going to tell you as well for our audio people, if you use promo code SITDOWN when you log in and create an account and deposit, if you use promo code SITDOWN, you're going to get a 50% match on your first deposit as well 
as a $10 casino chip. So they're going to throw you some money. They're going to throw you some action right away that allows you to get in and make some money, hopefully. That's the goal anytime you gamble. Now, that's not all, guys. That's not all. We, we, try, to, we try to throw it more here on the show. And just because you listen to the show, you're also going to get a revamped loyalty program that ensures that you'll be showered with rewards, including free spins, cashback offers, and a host of VIP perks, which means the more play, the more you win. Play anytime, anywhere, right now. My bookie, go get yourself a 50% match on deposits up to a thousand bucks as well as a $10 casino chip. Do it right now and be like me. Guys, let's get into the episode. And as I said, I am really, really excited for this one. I um I spent a lot of time on this one. Um, I wanted to make sure that it was succinct. And as we try to do, it's easy to understand here on the show. Let's get into it. Michael DeLeonardo on the sit-down. Michael DeLeonardo was born June 18th, 1955 in the New York borough of Brooklyn. Now, as customary on this show, we talk about it all the time. We could probably guess where Mikey Scars was from. I'll give you one guess. It starts with a B. And no, it's not Bath Beach, but it's not far away. Mikey Scars would grow up in Bensonhurst. Now, Bensonhurst, when we look at New York, it's not a huge area, but there's a lot of people that live there. And we have talked about it time and time and time and time again, that various mobsters from various crime families have come from Bensonhurst, you know, whether it's the Columbo, Gambino, Bonanno families, Bensonhurst was a haven for criminals and for mobsters. Now, Mikey Scars would live in Bensonhurst throughout most of his life at 8616 17th Avenue in Benson. Now, Mikey Scars has a fascinating family lineage in the mafia, right? And in fact, his lineage in the mafia goes back to like the 1850s. That's how long he's been involved or has someone in his family been involved. Now, I want to first talk about Michael's parents. Now, Mikey had two brothers uh, called James and Robert. We'll tell you about them a little bit later. But his mother, Virginia, was a seamstress. Um, she would die in the early 2000s. And his father, Anthony, uh, was actually someone who, when I researched, I got a bit of a kick out of. And I want to say some thanks uh, throughout this episode. Um, Mikey Scar's Patreon page has put out some really cool photos. This is a photo of Michael's father, Anthony, in World War II. He would serve in World War II. Um, now, Anthony's an interesting guy because his father, his grandfather were in the mafia but he was never a made man. Anthony DeLeonardo, Michael's dad, was, according to Michael, a horse player. That's what he did for a living. He was a horse gambler. You know, he would go to Aqueduct and all these different racetracks, and that's how he made money. And Michael, at one point during the testimony that he had, he was asked, did your father do anything else? To which he said, no, he was just a horse better. Now, we would learn, though, that Anthony DeLeonardo, though was not a made man, was a very respected associate of the Gambino crime family. How couldn't he have been? Uh, his lineage goes deep. And it was regarded that at one point, he was a driver for various mobsters, including a person called Calogero Zaccaria. Now, you could see him on the left and his son, Paulie, on the right. Calogero Zaccaria was an old-school gangster. goes back to the 1900s. Uh, he was from Sicily. In fact, all these folks that we mentioned today are from Sicily. Michael's family is from Sicily. We'll get into that in a second. But Anthony uh, DeLeonardo was 
Calogero's driver at one point. He would be a driver really until the death of him in the late 40s. But he would be a driver for multiple people. And it was actually presented at one point that the Gambino crime family wanted to make Anthony D. Leonardo Michael's father. But by this point, so much deceit had come to Anthony's life. You know, friends of his had been killed. Uh, people had been killed. He basically said, I don't want to be in that world. And his father, uh, Vincent Jimmy D. Leonardo, who we're going to get into, he would essentially say that his son wasn't caught out. He was too much of a hothead. It would have never worked. Um, now, I want to talk a little bit about where the D. Leonardos are from. Uh, Mikey Scars and his family trace back to a town in Sicily called Bisacchino. Now, it is south of Corleone and Palermo and is in the province of Agrigento uh, in Sicily. And we're going to talk a little bit about the Sicilia Mafia today due to the fact of just its rich history and its involvement with the Gambino crime family. One thing that we seem to forget about the mafia is really when you first were involved, right, in the 30s, the 40s, they had to trace your family back, right? They had to trace, they had involved with who your father was, who your uncles were, who you were related to. And most of the early Gambino crime family, back when it was the Daguila crime family, the Aquila crime family, they were all from Sicily, right? They were all people that came over and they had a stake in the old country. Now, the person that's most involved with the mafia in Michael DeLeonardo's lineage is his grandfather, a person called Vincent, they called him Jimmy DeLeonardo. Now, Vincent DeLeonardo goes back to the late 1800s, early 1900s. He was actually a part at one point of the early um, creation of the Black Hand, a.k.a. La Mano Nera, which we've heard of the Black Hand. I mean, if you know anything about and you've seen The Godfather, you saw Da Fanucci was part of the Black Hand. The Black Hand was an extortion racket that was really the early onset of what would we be known as the mafia down the road. So Vincent Jimmy DiLeonardo goes back really deep, and he actually goes back to Toto D'Aquila, who was the early mainstay of the what we would eventually call Gambino crime family. Now, D'Aquila's story is interesting. He would be killed in the late 20s. Uh, this is his body inside of a thrift shop. Um, he would drive to an area. This is his car outside of Avenue A and 13th uh, Street in uh, 13th Avenue in uh, Manhattan. He would travel there and be shot multiple times by three assailants. Many people believe that his underboss was involved in it, and he died in the late 20s. So, Really, from that point on, Vincent Jimmy DeLeonardo's friend, um, he was a capo at this point. So Michael's grandfather was a high-end guy, one of the first capos of the D'Aquila crime family. He's kind of bust back to a soldier, but he would remain in the family into the 60s. Um, it's a really interesting lineage, and we would actually find out that Vincent DeLeonardo's father, this would be Michael's great-grandfather, a person called Antonino DeLeonardo, um, he was born in the 1830s. That's how far he goes back. And he was involved with the mafia by, you know, essentially the 1850s, if you will. I want to, before we move on, I want to tell you guys quickly, I couldn't do some of the early parts of this episode without uh, some really good people. Um, and look, the black hand is, is information you can find anywhere. But when you learn about people like Antonino, you're really only going to get a, only going to go to one place. And I'll admit, I am not. I mean, I know a lot about the early mafia, but 
the people that really do a lot of the heavy lifting are the mafia archaeologists, mob archaeologists. And a guy that I really respect is a person called Eric Stonefelt. Eric is a great researcher on the mafia. He wrote a really terrific piece on really kind of the early workings of the Gambino family and a lot of the connections they had to Sicily and where they were from in Sicily. I'm going to, in the description of this video, include a Substack article he wrote. It's really terrific, and I urge you to check it out. If you like early, kind of the early stage of the mafia, all these families and how they were created, I would urge you to check that out. So the lineage goes back deep with the De Leonardos. But as I said, the one man that was not made to the mafia was Michael's father. And I promise we're going to get back into Michael's life. But it's important that you understand the early lineage and how deep and how far Michael De Leonardo goes back into the mafia. He can be traced back to, you know, the mid-1800s. That's how far it is. Um, that's like the earliest creations of the mafia, right? It's pretty incredible. Now, as I said, Michael's father, Anthony, would be a driver for uh, Calogero uh, Zacharia. Now, we've heard from Mikey Scars that one of the main mentors in his life was a person called Paulie Zacharia. That was the son of Carlo Zacharia. Uh, Zacharia Zacharia uh, depends how you pronounce it. The Americanized pronunciation would be Zacharia. Now the Sicilian pronunciation would be Zacharia. Uh, now Pauli Zac was an instrumental member of the Gambino family, and he goes back to the fifties and sixties. Um, by the early on, so, so by the time Michael's let's say seven, eight years old, um, he essentially grows up around the mob, and we've talked about this on this channel. Generally, most of these people's lives are predetermined, right? Mikey could have went into other things, but he was predetermined to be a gangster. It's pretty simple, right? And that's just why all these people, like Mikey, Mikey Franzese, he was probably able to do something else. He went to college, but he was predestined to be in the mafia. That was set upon him before he was even born. For instance, my father, my father's in the trade. He's a master bricklayer ultimately got into concrete, and now he owns a, a developing company. My brother's in that business, but I am not. I was predestined to do that. Now, I broke through and did something else, but we're all predestined to do something. I was supposed to be a mason, a bricklayer, a concrete man, you know, get into developing down the road. That's not my thing. My brother's involved with that business, but that's what we're predetermined to be, right? That's always what we're predetermined to be, what, we're, what our fathers are. Now, by 1963, Michael's about eight years old. He talked pretty openly about the connection he had with his grandfather. His grandfather would live next door to him at 8618 17th Avenue. And he would talk about as a child, his grandfather was really old school, barely spoke English. And he had all sorts of fruit trees, figs, pears, peaches, uh, all these different trees. And he would talk about the first connections he had to the mafia was his Grandpa would give him figs and he would take them to the social club, the people like Paulie Zach, and they would give him change and things like that. And that was his first kind of meeting people that were in that life. And one thing we learn about Mikey Scars is the name Mikey Scars. How did he get it? Well, it happened around 1965. Mikey Scars would say that he would be attacked by a dog, which would tear part of his face off and he would all his life have a scar on his face. So he's involved with pretty interesting company, right? Who do we, who do we also know that had a scar on his face? 
Al Capone. Now, Al Capone hated the name Scarface. He liked, you know, different names, Snorky, stuff like that. Mikey Scars pretty much accepted it. He says, you know what, that's my name. And he would also say that it was a good way to differentiate himself from other Michaels, right? We hear about these neighborhoods in Brooklyn and Manhattan where there's 7,000 Vincents, 7,000 Tonys, 7,000 Dominics. Michael, there's a lot of Michaels as well. So he had um, a nickname now and he could be called upon and he'd be called upon that his whole life. Now, Mikey Scars would say that even as a child and as a young man, he would meet very high-end people in the mafia, including certain times he met Carlo Gambino. He said that many times he, he met Carlo. Now, in the early 60s, I, I want to kind of talk about the crew that he's kind of around, right? Because as I said, that crew that Vinny DiLeonardo's in, Michael's grandpa. Remember at one point he's a cop. He's busted back to soldier. In 1963, he's 80. He's in his 80s. He's an old man. That, look, he was born in the 1880s, guys. That, that's how old this guy is. Um, he was in the crew of a person called Olympia Garofalo. We've talked about him before. We talked about him in the Jackie Nose episode, which can be seen here. Lilo Garofalo was an old school capo. Now, what I find interesting about Mikey Scars is we always hear Mikey Scars mention Brooklyn, right? That's where he's from. That's where his family lived. But his grandfather, for, for his early life, lived in Manhattan, which is where Toto Diaquila was doing business. That's where Lilo Garofalo was from. A lot of the early lineage that Mikey Scars has was in Manhattan, Spring Street, that area. So he's in Lilo Garofalo's crew as of 1963. Other members of that crew included... Paulie Zach and a person called Peter Freya, uh, as well as many others. And all of these people, whether it's Freya, Zachariah, Di Leonardo, they can all be traced back to Sicily. They all live in these different provinces or, or cities in Sicily, essentially not far from Palermo. That's one of the key things with all these people. Now, Mikey Scars uh, would attend New Utrecht High School and ultimately graduate uh, in 1973. Now, one thing that Mikey Scars doesn't talk about much, which I'd like to hear him talk a little bit about, he would say that he actually spent about a year and a half in college. Now, we don't know where he went to college. I, I, I guess I could have asked him. I had an opportunity. I talked to Michael. He gave me some quotes on this, which I'll read. Um, I, I should have asked him. I didn't. I would have to venture. It was somewhere in New York. Uh, maybe St. John's or something. But so we could attest that, like a lot of these guys, he tried legitimate work or wanted legitimate work, probably. But again, these people's lives are pretty much already um, created for them. And when you're around people like Paulie Zach, you don't become a mechanic or, or, or a, you know, a golf pro or something. You know, you go into the mafia. This is all you knew. So it's no secret. Now, Mikey Scars in and around 1976 uh, would start out as a driver for Paulie Zach, which is interesting because when you look into the history, Paulie Zach's father, Calogero, his driver was Michael's father, Anthony. So it, it's all a, kind of a, a stage thing. Life's all about stages. And this is the stages that the Dean Leonardo's were in. Now, as we know, Carlo Gambino would die in 1976. And this is where... The next boss comes, Paul Castellano takes over, 
And Mikey's put on record as an associate in the Gambino family. And he's put um, under the tutelage of his mentor, Paulie Zach. Now, remember, during this time as well, or previously to this in the 60s, another member of the crew of Lilo Garofalo is a person called Jerome Jerry Mummy D'Aquila. That's Toto's son. He was in this crew also. And Mikey Scars credits him as being a bit of a mentor as well. All these people were steeped for a long period of time in the mafia. <clears throat> so Mikey Scars is, 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 is learning. He's doing what he's got to do. But he would say by this point, he didn't really have to learn that much because he knew pretty much everything about the mob. He knew how to bookmake. He knew how to loan shark. He knew how to get money out of people. He knew how to steal. He knew how to lie. He knew how to do all this stuff already. So he's in this kind of training program as just any young gangster is. And he's in with people he knows forever. They're all, you know, kind of that same crew. Now, Mikey Scars would say as well in the 70s, he would be arrested at one point for promoting gambling. He'd be hit with being a part of a gambling uh, operation and he would be hit with a $50 fine. So what's another thing we learn about a lot of these people? They don't pay for their crimes pretty early, right? We've looked into all sorts of gangsters, Tony Ducks, Carmine Galanti, all these people. And one of the things we could garner from their careers are, and this is something that we're told as America is a tough justice system, not when it comes to gangsters. You know, the 40s, 50s, 60s, 70s, they didn't really get much. They got slaps on the wrist. Now, I'm not saying Michael would have been changed by going to prison over gambling, but you know, a lot of these people commit crimes and they, they never are brought to justice and they just continue running game. Uh, now, Mike Scars would talk about the fact that once he became an associate, kind of how it worked. He would say that Paulie's Asheria would stake him with about $10,000 to put on the street. And when I say put on the street, he used this as a loan sharking organ operation. He would give someone a $100 loan and he'd charge them a percentage and he would take from the top. One gangster I heard one time would say, I think it was Nick Caramondi of Philadelphia. He would say that there's no better money than shark money. It's free money, right? It's it's an a it's it's a vig or a piece of interest you put you get for free on top of a, a, an amount, right? So, for instance, let's say you get a two thousand dollar loan from a loan shark, right? They're gonna hit you with you know a weekly payment. You pay for ten weeks, two hundred sixty dollars, right? In the end, they're going to make $600 free dollars in interest. So in the end, you pay $2,600 back. Times $600 by 100 people, 200, 300, 400 people with bigger loan amounts even or smaller. But you can understand it's free money, right? Casinos do it with sports betting. They charge a VIG. So $100 bet, you got to pay $110. That's $10 free dollars for the casino regardless of what happens with your wager. So the mob was doing the same thing, and he would talk about the fact that he would give out loans, and uh, if he had to hurt people, he would. And Mikey Scar says that very regularly as a kid in the, in the 70s and 80s, he would use bats, he would use pipes, he would beat people up. It comes with the game. That's what you have to do when you're an early associate of the mafia. Now, around this time, he becomes an associate. Um, he would have two social clubs. Mikey Scars would open a social club early on at Bay 7th and 86th Street in Bensonhurst. And then he would move his operations to a social club in and around 
75th and New Utrecht Avenue in Brooklyn as well. And these were all within shouting distances, not only of his home, but other social clubs, including Paulie Zach. Now, I want to talk about an interesting story that Mikey Scars has told about the first time he met John Gotti. He would say, Mikey Scars, that he would meet John Gotti in and around 1980 or 1981. And at that point, it was some sort of beef over um, over drug uh, dealing. Uh, he would say that at the meeting, when they're walking out to the car, Paulie Zacharia would say to him, quote, that's our next boss right there. Now, remember, that's in the early 80s. So, you know, John Gotti's moving his way up, but he's not a boss. He's, you know, he's just a capo at this point. But it was interesting because a lot of people paint John Gotti as this dumb guy, wasn't an earner, didn't have any respect. A lot of people respected him. And when someone like Paulie Zach is saying that, remember, Paulie Zach goes back to the 30s and 40s, right? 50s. He's been around a, a while. You have people that got to respect you, you're doing something right. So Scars meets Gotti in and around that time. Now, I do want to get into Michael DeLeonardo's brothers. I mentioned at the beginning, he has two brothers, Robert, a person they called Bucky, as well as a brother called James. Now, James DeLeonardo is interesting um, because I would find that in the 70s, he would actually leave New York and to this day lives in Alaska, of all places, I believe Fairbanks. And, you know, Michael's talked on No Excuses, their podcast with RJ. He's talked about going you know, going to see his brother and, and how difficult it is. You, know, you have to go through all sorts of different things to get there. And he's kind of an interesting story, James Delinar, because we don't know much about him. We could just venture to believe that, you know, he just decided that it wasn't what he wanted. He didn't want to live in New York. And he left. Kind of similar to John Gotti's brother, Bill, who not a lot of people know about. John Gotti has a brother called Bill. Now, four of his brothers went into the mafia, but his other brother, Billy, left New York, went out to L.A., became just a regular person, a restaurant owner, and that was it. Um, now, Michael's other brother, Robert, did what his brother did, followed his father into the mob. Now, Michael's brother, uh, Robert D. Leonardo, which, fascinatingly enough, just, I mean, is he not a twin to Michael? That's pretty incredible. Now, he can be seen here with, uh, Joe Brewster Jr., uh, Joe uh, D. Domenico, who we've we've done a video on his father, Joe uh, D. Domenico Sr., who's actually um, these guys are distant cousins. Uh, we know that Joe Brewster is cousins with Michael. Um, now, Robert D. Leonardo would go in uh, to become an associate for the Greg Scarpa crew in the Colombo crime family, and in 1981, he would be killed. And a lot, a lot of people know about why Robert D. Leonardo was killed. And it's been a number of things. According to Michael, in a documentary he did with, uh, I believe, uh, The Guardian in the United Kingdom, he would tell Trevor McDonald that his brother was killed over what he would call drugs. We don't know exactly what happened. There's not a lot of, um, there's not a lot of light that he shed on this situation. I'm sure at some point he'll do something on it. Um, but Mikey would talk about the fact that he wanted retribution for his brother, um, but that if he acted on it, um, he would basically be dead to the Gambino crime family. And he was told to not act on it. And that the boss, Paul Castellano, told his 
Guy Pauly's act directly to not act on it. Um, and he talked about the fact that, you know, this was the mafia. This is just the life that we had to live. Um, and, you know, this is the slimy part of it. You know, the mafia can kill your family and there's not much you can do. You just have to accept it and suck it up. It's really kind of a sick and sad, twisted tale, isn't it? Now, Mikey Scars um, would also, around this time, be involved in a murder. Um, now, he wasn't directly involved in being a shooter. He was some sort of lookout for this hit. Now, we don't know a ton about it. In fact, we don't even know the last name of the individual that was killed. He was contacted by Louis Melito, who we did a show on recently, and they went to a, uh, an area of Staten Island, and they were going to kill a person known only as Jack. We don't know his last name, but Jack was killed over some sort of beef involving Sammy Gravano and Louis Melito. And it was said that Mikey Scars acted as some sort of lookout. He was parked about a block away. Um, and he just knew that a murder went down. He didn't know much about it other than it was someone called Jack. And he would talk about this in some of his testimony down the road. Now, in and around this time, what do we know is happening? Well, John Gotti is becoming the new boss, the Gambino crime family through the assassination of Paul Castellano. But 1985 was a big year for Michael on another level as well. In May of 1985, he would marry a woman called Tony Marie. Now, the interesting thing about Tony Marie is she is also very connected to the mafia. Um, she's involved, her extended family uh, were the the, uh, the De Chicos, most notably Frank De Chico, I believe was her uncle, uh, George De Chico, Joe De Chico. Um, you know, the, Tony Marie, you know, was a well-known person in Brooklyn and she comes from a well-known family. So Mikey marries into more mob royalty, right? What do we know about uh, Tony Marie? Um, she has relations to the Fapianos. Um, you know, Frank Fapiano was someone that uh, Mikey Scars was very involved with in, in the mob world. Fapiano would become an informant eventually, though. Uh, but this was a, a, a really mob royalty courtship, right? Remember in Sopranos when Janice talks about the fact that she's marrying into the Aprils and she says the Aprils and the Sopranos. And it's like this it's great mob royalty uh, marriage, if you will. It's exactly what Mikey Scars and Tony Marie was. So things are good for Mikey Scars. He's 30 years old. Um, he gets married. He would, by this point, have a son, a person aptly named Michael Jr. Um, and he's living good. Um, he's an associate of the mafia, but he's pretty connected by this point. Mikey Scars was doing well in life. He was making money both illegitimately and legitimately. Um, not only was he involved with loan sharking, but he was involved with bookmaking, extortion. Uh, by this point, he had um, some involvement in some legit businesses. He was also, by this point, a shop foreman. Uh, he had a no-show job with Teamsters Local 282. And he would say that he gained uh, this job from uh, none other than Sammy Gravano. He would say that Gravano helped him get this job in the union local. And he would say that he made, you know, anywhere between 75 to 100 grand in that he didn't even know how to drive a truck, but he was a Teamsters local. Now, remember, the Teamsters are uh, basically transportation, truckers. He didn't even know how to drive a truck. But this is the good thing about being in the mafia. You get a no-show job, you get free money, you get benefits. It makes you look like you have employment. Pretty good gig, as well as all the illegitimate money you're making. So everything's going well. 
Now, in and around this time in 1986, Mikey Scars gets some bad news. Um, Lilo Garofalo would die. Now, around this time, he starts hanging around John Jackie Knows D'Amico. And D'Amico would ultimately kind of take over that uh, Lilo Garofalo crew. We talked about that in the Jackie Knows video. But the good thing is Jackie Knows is the person to know, right? Because I've talked about this. Look, a lot of people regard Jackie Knows as like a, a broke degenerate, if you will. But the truth is he was very connected, knew everybody had a lot of involvement in no-show jobs, you know, had money coming in, um, was very close to John Gotti, which, again, Michael is not stupid. Now, he loved Jackie, but being involved with Jackie was big because what did Michael want? He wanted to become a made member of the mafia. And getting involved with someone like Jackie knows who, what do we know, held the umbrella literally for John Gotti. He was always around Gotti. Anytime you see Jackie knows. Other than this picture where he's being arrested and John had died by this point, but he would be with John. That's he. A lot of people have said to me, who is that guy? I see him all the time. He's always with John Gotti. That was another very good career move for Mikey Scars. Not that Paulie Zach wasn't the right guy, but Jackie knows was, was good to be around as well. Now, Michael would say that around this point, he would meet John Jr. He would say that would happen in and around, you know, 85, 86. Uh, but he was on his fast track to being made. Um, Mikey uh, realized that that day was going to come, and it would exactly come in 1988, December 24th to be exact. Michael Scars would get the call, and he would become a made member of the mafia. He said they would go to an apartment building on Mulberry Street, an apartment that belonged to Joe Butch Correo's family. And he would say that in the building that night, Patsy Conti and Sammy Gravano proceeded over the ceremony and that multiple people were made into the family, including himself, John Gotti Jr. and Bobby Borriello, as well as skinny Dom Pazonia. He was also made that night. It has been talked about that Nick LaSorsa was there as well, as well as another unidentified member. Mikey said he didn't know who it was. Um, you know, and they had all went out in different times, but that night was a big night for him. And we've heard Junior Gotti talk about this. You know, his father was, was so proud of him that night. You know, so what are we starting to see? Mikey Scars is super, and I don't know if this is something he asked for, but he's super smart in ingratiating himself with John Sr., John Jr., Jackie Knows, all these people, right? This is the boss of the family, Sammy Gravano, Patsy Conti, all these people. And these are people that he would have met regardless of whether he was connected to Jackie Knows, but he's being looked at as a respected member. This is a guy who is going to be the next wave, the next future. And eventually, look, John Gotti Sr. wasn't dumb. He knew he was going to go away at some point. Who do you think he was grooming to take this family over? Look, did he respect Jackie Knows? Yes. But I don't think he actually believed Jackie Knows was going to take over the family. That was going to go to his kid. And guess who the heir apparent to his kid was? Mikey Scars. It's pretty simple. Um, now, Jackie knows uh, by this point had a crew. Michael would be placed into that crew uh, in and around uh, 1988 into 1989. Now, Mikey Scars would be called on again to participate and take part in another hit, this time of Staten Island businessman Fred Weiss. Now, he was involved in the possible uh, removal of the body. He would say that he personally dug the hole uh, for the Fred Weiss murder, but he this kind of screwed him a bit in a way because 
he was involved with conspiracy to do this, but the people in the Gambino family didn't actually kill Fred Weiss. There were two separate hit teams, one involving Joe Watts, Mikey Scars, and other people, and then the New Jersey DeCalvacanti crew. And it was actually Vinny Ocean and that group that ended up killing Fred Weiss. Uh, but this will come back to haunt Mikey Scars down the road. Um, now, Mikey Scars is um, let's kind of do a let's kind of do a, a come to you know State of the Union spot in this episode. So it's 1990-ish, right? The Gambino family is one of the more powerful families in the country. John Gotti's the figurehead. Junior is his son. He's made now has his own crew. Uh, and Mikey Scars is one of the more young, powerful people in the family. He's making a lot of money. Things are going really well. In fact, um, he would be spotted at the wedding of Junior Gotti. Here, Junior Gotti can be seen with his brother Peter and Jackie Nose and I believe Carmine Agnello there in the back. At the wedding, um, Jackie Nose's crew, including Mikey Scars, would give $10,000 to junior Gotti and his new wife kim so uh, they were one of the more um gracious gifters um they gave a lot of money um i think he made like 380k for that wedding gifts alone so uh, they would play a nice part in that mikey scars um was again becoming very ingratiated now by this point uh john jr Gotti in that same year really towards the end of 1990 after his wedding he would be promoted to capo regime and he would have his own crew under him his crew would include his best friend bobby borriello john jackie cavallo thomas tommy sneakers cacciapoli charles carniglia and fat dom borghese now also included at one point in the john jr crew was Craig De Palma and his brother-in-law, Carmine Agnello. So, you know, everything was going well for John Jr. Mikey Scars um, would get his call pretty soon uh, to become a capo, but that really didn't take long because as we know, in December, 1990, uh, John Gotti Sr. is arrested alongside Frankie Licasio, Sam Gravano, and Tom Gambino. Uh, and that would be the last time John Gotti would ever see the streets again because he would, down the road, be convicted on all counts to get life in prison. But what John Sr. does is a pretty smart move, right? He elects, and I wouldn't say this is the smart move, he elects John Jr. as his final decision maker in the family. But what he also does is he says, okay, we need to ingratiate the older people as well. We're going to have a ruling panel, if you will. So John's getting elevated, John Jr., this is where, uh, you know, Bobby Borrello gets elevated to acting capo of his crew. And we would then find out that Mikey Scars uh, gets elevated as well, uh, too. And we'll talk about that in a second. But Bobby Borrello wouldn't be captain for very long. In April uh, of 1991, he would be killed in front of his home in Bensonhurst. And we would find out right from Mikey Scars some pretty interesting information about the kind of decision maker John Jr. was. Now, it has been made clear how close Bobby Borrello was to the Gotti family, right? They loved him. John Sr. loved him. John Jr. loved him. In fact, at one point, Borrello was a driver for John Sr. And John Sr. from prison said, you need to take care of this. This is our guy. This is our friend. You need to kill the cocksuckers that did this. 
Now, John Jr. and the Gambinos believed that it was a person called Preston Geritano. Him and Bobby had beefs. Brooklyn guy, Preston was. They believed he killed Bobby. Now, we would find out that he didn't kill him. It was actually the Lucchese crime family, a person called Big Frank Lastorino and orders of Anthony Casso. But this would not stop John Jr. from figuring out what happened. John Jr., alongside uh, Mikey Scars, would go to a meeting with the boss at the time of the Genovese family, Laborio Barney Belomo. Now, Barney would give Jr. the confirmation that if it was Gerritano, we would we would take care of it. And he would essentially shoo Jr. away. Now, the problem was Gerritano never was killed by the Genovese. Okay, now what I will say, and I've said this before, this is a very important moment in Junior Gotti's career because what does this signify? Nobody respected him. Because I'll tell you right now, if let's say John Sr. was on the street and they killed Bobby Boriello, do you think John Sr. would have got retribution for who he thought killed Boriello? Of course he would have. Now, I'm not saying people didn't respect John Jr., but it seemed like Barney Baloma didn't really respect him that much. Now, again, it's important to realize the killer of Boriello was actually Lucchese guy, and it was brought on by the Lucchese family. Now, Mikey Scars has openly talked about um, kind of some of the really tenuous moments of his time in the mob. Um, he would talk about the time when he found out that Sammy Gravano flipped, and he said that one word to describe the family during this time was panic. He said that everybody knew they were fucked when Sammy Gravano started talking because he knew so much about everybody, right? And when that happened, it was a truly horrible moment for the entire family. Now, Michael would also talk about that once Gravano and Gotti go away, this was big for him because he was already making his ascent in the family. He'd become, you know, an acting capo he'd become part of something called the construction panel, which he started. And this basically oversaw all the construction that the Gambino family was bringing in. There was a lot of money being made in the early nineties, mid nineties in the Gambino family. So they needed people to oversee it. And Mikey was at the top of that. He eventually pretty much becomes the Sammy Gravano of the Gambino family. He's making all the money and getting all the money from construction rackages and pushing it up to junior what we'd also learn is that when Sammy flips and goes away, Michael DiLeonardo would take over his loan book. He would be in control of that as well. And he was making, you know, tens of thousands of dollars a week in loan proceeds. Now, he would never actually recover the total amount that he was owed, uh, but he would get back a pretty penny. He would also talk about the fact that he had a person on the street called Salvatore Romano. We've done a podcast on Sal Romano. Hasn't on it's not on YouTube, but we did do it on our podcast channel. Mikey would say that Sal Romano was a stock king, if you will, and he was making a lot of money through pump and dump schemes. And Romano would down the road become an informant, but there were a lot of things coming in from Mike. He was making a lot of illegitimate and legitimate money. He was married, had a good life, had a son. I do want to talk a little bit about the personal life of Mikey Scars. Remember, by this point, Mikey Scar is making a lot of money. He has a legit business as well called Metropolitan Stone. Um, everything's good. He had spent his whole life in Brooklyn. Well, what he does is him and his wife, um, Tony Marie, they move out to this home in Staten Island, 
a beautiful uh, piece of ground at 98 Seacrest Avenue in Eltingville, Staten Island, overlooking Raritan Bay. Now, interestingly enough, this five-bedroom, four-bath a colonial home would actually get home of the week in SI Live in 2022. Uh, just a beautiful palatial monstrosity uh, with a nice pool and a, just a scenic, scenic view. I mean, what a view. Uh, comes the end of a cul-de-sac, if you will. Things are good for Mikey Scars. The problem was, um, and I say this with utmost respect to Mikey Scars, he wasn't exactly faithful during this time. And we know this about the mafia, right? I mean, mobsters are, you know, people that engage with girlfriends and wives. What do we know about Goodfellas? Friday was for the girlfriend, Saturday was for the wife. Mikey Scars is no different. While he was married for the last 12-ish years to Tony Marie, he was carrying her affair, along an affair with a woman called Madalena. And he is now married to Madeline today. Now, they are still married. Um, it was also rumored that at one point, Mikey Scars de Leonardo carried on a long affair uh, with Carla Facciolo, who we know best for her involvement in the show Mob Wives on VH1. Now, I will give my salutations to Michael on that. Uh, I've always said my favorite mob wife was Carla, uh, and I still say that to this day. Uh, she is sexy as all hell, and I don't think any of us will disagree with that. Um, so this would kind of destroy his marriage. Now, he would ultimately have a, a child with Madeline, um, and uh, like I said, they're still together. Uh, now, Mikey Scars would have to, though, come to the real realization that um, – you know, things were changing in the Gambino family because where are we at? I mean, we're towards the, you know, early 90s, you know, mid 90s. He's making a lot of money, millions, if you will. He's a very rich man. But this is a family that's kind of falling apart. John Gotti's Jr.'s in control, but he's arrested at one point for extorting strip clubs. They called it the scores case. He's arrested alongside people like Greg DePalma and his son, Craig. They were extorting tens of thousands of dollars, if not hundreds of thousands of dollars from a scores gentlemen's club in New York city. Now, Mikey scars would say that he did profit off of this. Um, and he had actually worried that he was going to get arrested. So what are they trying to do? They're trying to keep the family afloat. John seniors in jail. And by this point, he's got cancer. You know, late 90s, early 2000s. Junior's off the street. He has to ultimately go to prison after he plea bargains. And what do we know? Peter Gotti takes over. Now, Mikey Scars is, is kind of the next in line, right? I mean, he's you know not going to ever be boss, but he's a very respected guy by this point. Uh, but he has to realize that he's probably likely going to get indicted because that's what happens when you're associated with the mafia. Eventually, you have to worry about that knock coming at five in the morning that knock exactly came for mikey d leonardo in september of 2000 he would be indicted for racketeering money laundering as well as extortion of strip clubs in manhattan as well as a place called the gold club in atlanta now he ultimately beat these charges he would be beat the rap and become acquitted in 2001 but as we know, the government does not like to lose. He is quickly, in 2002, indicted again. Now, 
this is a much more serious case for Mikey D. Leonardo because, look, the first time <clears throat> he's indicted for extortion, he's probably going to get a couple of years, whatever. He's indicted this time for labor racketeering, extortion, loan sharking, witness tampering, as well as being involved with the murder of Fred Weiss. Now, remember, he didn't even, in fact, no one in the Gambino crime family killed Fred Weiss. But the thought and the conspiracy to possibly kill Fred Weiss, and then he was killed, the government threw all that in. So people like Joe Watts got popped, Mikey Scars got popped. This was a much more serious charge. Mikey Scars was going to get, you know, what they would call football numbers, right? 10, 20 years in prison. And he may get a long sentence. They hate the mafia. I want to also dispel the notion that Mikey Scars flipped over a couple of years. It's not true. Okay. I know certain people don't like informants, but again, don't just switch the facts to help your argument. We have to talk about what actually happened and that didn't actually happen. And that comes straight from him. Mikey Scars had a major decision because by this point, he has got to face a long time in prison, but it's also come to the surface, according to people that were high up in the family, Peter Gotti believed that Mikey Scars over years of his involvement in the mob was skimming money from the mafia, money here, money there. Now, Mikey Scars, once he provides testimony, he would say that in his career, he would steal about 20K from the mafia. Now, in the grand scheme of things, that doesn't seem like a lot. In fact, it isn't a lot. And he would say a lot of it came from just little roots, like neighborhood roots, um, produce roots, coffee roots, things like that. He would get 100 here, 100 there, and he'd go spend it on his crew or, or whatever. It was little nickel-dime stuff, and it would add up over the, the course of his time. Now, 20K in the scheme of millions is nothing. What I think and what I think a lot of people believe, anybody with a true kind of interest in this knows, Mikey Scars was ultimately shelved by the mafia. And I believe that had to do with the fact that he not only stole, but I think they probably viewed him as competition. Okay, Because remember, the one thing that we don't hear here about Mikey Scars is he is not blood to the Gotties. Peter is, John is, all these people are. And Peter Gotti finally got his call, right? He's the boss now. I don't want to give that up. I know my brother is going to come out soon. Gene, maybe he'll want to be involved. He viewed Mikey Scars as a threat. Now, Mikey Scars would tell me about this. He would say that he believed the reason he was shelved was nothing more than a power play. His friend Junior was in jail. John was dead. And Peter was what he called an imbecile. It was just a power play. He was actually asked on the stand, he said, why he was shelved. And he said, I still don't know to this day what I did. But that was that. After literally having a connection 100 years in the mob. Now, this goes to all you folks that want to talk about, don't be a rat, don't inform. That ridiculous way of thinking. That we should just throw someone's story up because they ratted. You don't agree with it, even though you're not in the streets and have no connection to the mob. This is a man whose great-grandfather was born in the 1830s. You could trace his lineage to the small town in Sicily. And where's he at today? He did all this. He did everything he was asked. He played by every rule. And what's he accused of? Stealing, being a threat thought these were my friends. 
they betray him. They say, you know what? We're not going to kill you because we don't have the balls to do it. We're just going to kick you out and banish you. This is an organization that killed his own brother. He's presented and said, you know what? F this shit. I'm out. I'm not going to do a fucking minute for these people. Now, Mikey Scars would say one thing, though. He was basically screwed up over all this. He didn't want to have to go testify against his friend. And he knew that's what they were gonna, he was going to have to do. At one point, it was said that in the early 2000s, when he decided to cooperate in 2002, he attempted suicide. He would take multiple uh, pills, um, and it obviously didn't kill him, but he was beaten up by this. And you could still see to this day that it affects Mikey Scars. He'll tell you that. You got to think about this. This is your whole life. This is everything you know. And you are going to ostracize everyone in it. You're going to go against everybody you know, anyone that you've been close to. And now you have to sit there and say, that's the guy right there. He told me to do all this stuff. And remember, Mikey Scars knew a lot of shit by this point. Mikey Scars would testify against Junior. He would testify against all these people. He would talk about the Curtis Sliwa shooting. Remember, John Jr. illicitly told Mikey Scars and other people to go beat him up, put him in the hospital. Now, he was ultimately shot. They don't just say, well, we didn't mean to shoot him. He was shot. And people like Michael Yanati, who were involved with that, went to prison because of it. Those cases were strengthened due to people like Mikey Scars. Now, ultimately, Mikey Scars would testify at a record. This There's no one that's been to more trials than Mikey Scars. 15 different times he testified uh, against the mafia. I want to talk about a few of the 80-plus people Mikey Scars would put in prison. Remember, all of these people that he was seen with, a lot of them went to prison for a long time due to his defection. Peter Gotti would die in prison. Charles Carniglia is still sitting in prison. A lot of it from the testimony of Mikey Scars. He will never get out. He put away his old mentor, Jackie Nose D'Amico. Nikki and Jojo Carrazzo. Richard and Vinnie Gotti, the brothers of John Gotti. Dominic Cefalu. Frank Callie. Lenny DiMaria. Michael Paradiso, as well as countless others that were associates and members of the Gambino crime family. He'd also testify at the trials of Little Alley Boy Persico and Jackie DeRoss on their murder of Wild Bill Cotolo. So it wasn't just the Gambinos that he testified against as well. Michael Scars is free. In fact, uh, in 2011, he would be sentenced to time served after serving about three years in federal prison. He lives with his wife, Madeline, somewhere in Florida, and is 68 years old. Now, Mikey Scars will resurface in 2015 in a documentary with Trevor McDonald from the United Kingdom, which told the stories of many people associated with the mafia that are now um, living somewhere in America. In that documentary included Mikey Scars, John A. Light, Ralph Natale, Ron Previty, and Michael Francis. 
Now, recently, Mikey Scars will pop up on YouTube with my friend RJ Roger in a new show called No Excuses. You can find some of the great content they have on YouTube, as well as I highly recommend checking out their Patreon account. One thing I've talked about very openly on YouTube is the fact that we desperately need new content pumped into this genre. We have heard for way too long the same old stories, and what do we know? Some of them are proving not to be true, and we need other people that gatekeep in this genre, and I'm happy to hear that Mikey Scars and RJ are doing it. I highly recommend you check out their channel. I also want to tell you this. Um, I thought it was important to do this show alone. Look, I'm sure I could probably interview Mikey. Maybe I can't. I've talked to him many times. I, I don't even know. I talked to him before this show. He didn't tell me much of anything. I think it's important that I tell these stories, not the people. And I've had issues with these. Certain people are not happy with some of the videos I've done on them. They think I got them wrong. All I can try to do is the best I can on these videos. And I felt like to me, I wanted to do this video on my own. I hope I did it justice. And I hope you enjoyed the video today uh, or the audio, wherever you're checking this out. So go check out those guys. Um, you know, they have their own story to tell. And I have my own story to tell. Uh, in the end, Michael Scars D. Leonardo is a rat. We all know it. He will tell you that. But I think the difference between him and a lot of people is he never makes any bones about it. He did what he did, and that's that. I think he lives every day, you know, in his late 60s with the transgressions that he's made. You don't think he wants to go back to New York and just hang out on 86th Street for a bit, go to Villa Bate or hang out at a pizzeria? I'm sure he does, but he can't. That's the life he's chosen. Everybody deserves to tell their story on here regardless if they're a rat or not. And I'm glad they do it because they pump so much John content into this genre. So I thank them for that. Um, I think for, for now, this is probably, I think the last kind of major informant we need, we had to do a show on. Um, so we'll kind of go, I think a different way, but they'll always pop up. I thank you for listening. As always, I hope you enjoyed the show. Do me a favor and hit that like button. Make sure you subscribe before we get out of here and leave us a review. Leave us a comment whether you're listening on audio or wherever. Thank you for watching. We'll see you next time here on The Signal.